Yeah, two more things I wanted to cover. Um, those of you who have been around for a while, uh, about two or three years ago, I mentioned that we had been receiving, us elders, had been receiving some, some anonymous letters. And uh, first of all, we are open. We do, as leaders, we invite you to come if, if you have something on your heart that you want to share, if you have a concern, a complaint, an idea or whatever, we invite you to come. Uh, to share with one of us, uh, we do have that open policy. Um, but one thing that started happening, we started receiving these anonymous letters in the mail, and all of us were receiving them at the same time. And these letters weren't—they um, weren't too encouraging, to say the least. And but the problem with the letter, it wasn't that someone was choosing to share with us, but they were doing it in such a way that was very unproductive and very unbiblical. They were sharing some things without the opportunity for us to share back. And some of the things that, a lot of the things that were in the letters were not factual, were not true. But that person had no way of knowing and hearing the facts because we weren't able to share with them because we didn't know who it was. There may have been some good ideas, some some valid points made uh, through the letters, uh, but it just wasn't done in a way that we believe is biblical. The Bible does say, if you find a brother in sin... Go to that person, not for the purpose of blasting them, but also the Bible says to share the truth in love. But it's also in the context of relationship. It doesn't say send an anonymous letter. It says go to that person and share your heart with them so that things can be worked out, so that there can be communication on both sides. You may have a legitimate point or a concern. That's not the issue here. But you may also have some ideas or, 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 or information that may not be factual. And the only way you're going to be able to have that corrected is if we or, or whoever you're wanting to share with can share um, things back with you. Well, anyway, so that happened a few years ago. And then we determined as leaders that when we got a letter like that, we were not going to even open it. So we didn't even open them anymore. And then all of a sudden, a, a while ago, um, my wife and I received one and... It kind of slipped through the cracks. We didn't, we weren't paying attention, didn't know what it was. And then boom, there it was. And, and the, and the sad thing about that, it was, again, it wasn't, it wasn't encouraging. There was no encouragement. We didn't feel loved, respected or anything like that. And the fruit of it, you know, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is one thing. The fruit of condemnation and judgment, everything's a whole nother thing. And that was one thing. So we're able to deal with it. Then we got a phone call from a, a lady in the church who also received a letter. Now, I'm not sure if it was from the same person, but it looked like it. It appeared. It sounded. It had the same tone uh, to it. And all I want to say, well, I'm going to say a lot of things, so forget the all I'm going to say. But what I want to say is, whoever is sending letters, I'm not judging your motives. I'm not judging your intent. I believe and trust that your intent is good, that you want, you love people, you love God's people, and you want to encourage. But the way you're going about it is not biblical at all. And the way you're going about it is not in love. The Bible says to share the truth in love. And so from this point forward, I'm asking you, if you're in here to stop doing that, and I'm going to encourage anybody else. If you send an anonymous, I was going to say, you can't send an anonymous email. (laughs) Can't do that. But if you send an anonymous letter, we won't read it. Um, because we won't take it that it's, that it's shared in love. And so I'm saying all that to say this, that if you receive a letter in the mail, 
and it doesn't have a return address on it, or you open it up and it doesn't have, look at the bottom, if it doesn't have a, a name, if no one's claiming ownership, I would encourage you not to read it because I promise you it's not going to encourage you. Okay? That has not been the fruit of these letters at all. So, your intentions may be good and may even, even be the best, but from this point forward, if you continue to send letters like that, your intentions are no longer good. Because I'm asking as the pastor of this church for you not to do that anymore. Again, if you have a legitimate concern or you care about someone, we're inviting you to share with them face-to-face, share with us face-to-face. That is the biblical way and the way of love and the way of relationship. Is that pretty clear? All right. Okay, and if you have a question about that, some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. That's okay. But everybody should know what I'm talking about from this point forward. Okay? We cool? All right. Now, the last thing I want to share before we get into the goodies, before I dismiss you guys, stay encouraged, okay? We're almost done. I'm going to invite, how many of you guys remember, um, not too long, I don't know if it was last week, the week before last, everything blends together, but we prayed for one another. Remember Shad, Shad, Shad shared a testimony. Todd, Todd shared a testimony. Todd shared a testimony, okay. Shared a, a testimony about his nephew. Remember his nephew, uh, Joshua, about the, the tumor and his head and all that kind of stuff, and God took care of all that, all the cool stuff. And then we prayed for one another. Well, Dan, White Eagle, come on up, Dan. He was all excited this morning, because first of all, when he greets me this morning, in the morning on Sundays, first of all, he reminds me that the Cowboys won. Hold on, I'll get to you in a second. But you know what's even, you know what's also cool is he always says, you know, even OU won. He let me know that too. So he's an OSU fan. He's a Sooner fan. And he's just an awesome man. But he also had a cool testimony that he shared with me. And I just wanted to give him a chance to share this with us. Well, this uh, lady that uh, lived over there where I live, she went to the doctor yesterday. And the doctor said, have no, nothing wrong with her. Not anything. The doctor said she don't have cancer at all. Not any. Doctor said that one day that she will might have it, but the the doctor X-ray on her machine there wasn't no nothing at all. And the, the the cool thing about that the cool thing about this was that when we had people stand up who wanted prayer, Dan stood up and prayed for this lady. So that so you're hearing the rest of the story. That's awesome. It's awesome. All right. Well, that's some good stuff right there, isn't it? All right, kids, you can go now. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and invite Greg and Cornell. CJ, I'm, uh, my heart's about to explode. I tell you what, man, that did y'all not hear that testimony? Yeah. <laughs> I I think we need to just raise the roof on yes. this place and thank God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Praise <laughs> the Lord, oh Father, you're faithful. Yeah. Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sorry, Pastor, I, my heart just about ready to blow up up here, man. Think about that. 
That's what we're wanting. We're wanting to see God's goodness displayed. Amen? And, in, and when you begin to experience his goodness in your life, a miracle, a provision, a breakthrough, please share with us so we can celebrate and rejoice with you. Because again, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when someone hears a testimony of what Jesus has done, it can give them faith that he's wanting to do it again. Because we believe that Jesus is declaring that he wants to do it again. Amen? That's right. So it's important for you to share with us so we can all do a jig or whatever we need to do uh, to rejoice with you. All right, we're going to start a series today on biblical giving. (laughs) And the goal of the series is not to present an exhaustive study on the whole topic of giving, but to lay and share a biblical foundation for giving, as well as to share some practical applications. Um, Giving is very important. We would all agree with that. I know it can also be a very scary topic. Uh, People start grabbing their purses and pulling them tighter, you know, when, you know, when people talk about offerings and that kind of thing. And, and there's a lot of controversy. You know, this is one of those topics. There's a few topics that I've been studying over the years, recent years. Um, ever since I became a pastor, I got serious about studying God's word. And uh, as I, I've noticed, there's a few topics that are very controversial in Christendom. For example, speaking in tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's a very controversial topic. That's a topic that can divide and unfortunately has been used to divide the body instead of bring the body together. Another topic is women in ministry. Another topic that shouldn't divide, but it's been used to divide God's people. And there's some others. And, and another one is the topic on giving. It's a topic that has unfortunately been a divisive topic in the body, but we know that that's not God's intention. And, and so giving has been given a bad rap. You know, those of us in the church, we hear from those outside the church, we think, well, all they want is your money. Um, and so when people are given the opportunity to give, it can be even viewed in a, in a bad, a negative light. And so what we want to do is not that we have all the answers, um, on this topic, and we're not going to even try to share all the answers that we have, but we just want to share a biblical foundation. This has been a topic that we as leaders have been talking about, and we've uh, discussed it quite a bit together. I've known for some time that we needed to have to have some teaching on this, more teaching. We've had teaching on it in the past. I know Pastor Dale is, has taught on giving, um, but I, since I've been pastor, I have not. I have not dealt with this topic for a couple of reasons. One, it's very intimidating. And it's very big. It's like, okay, how do you deal with this? And I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, we need to deal with this. Because God wants his people to walk in truth. He wants us to walk in truth. And the more truth we have and we can walk in, the more freer we're going to be. If freer is a word. You know, we talk about freedom. We believe in freedom and we want freedom. But we're only going to experience freedom to the extent that we walk according to God's word. And the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so it's important for us to know God's truth in a matter so that we can walk, align ourselves with it. And that's what our heart is for this particular topic on giving. So, Greg, well, hold on, sorry, before I let you loose, let's pray, all right? Let's go ahead and pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your freedom and your goodness. 
And we just open our hearts to you. And we just break off all the religiosity, all the bad rap that this, that your principles have gotten. God, your word has gotten. We break off fear, condemnation, and guilt, and religious tradition. We just break those things off. Father, we pray that you would deal a lethal blow to those things. Because we don't want to walk in this in fear or tradition or whatever that is. But we want to walk according to your truth. So we open our hearts to you. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach through us in these days. And we thank you for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to have a pastor whose heart is to have the truth laid plainly before the congregation. Not to preach or deliver religiosity or doctrine or things that are good things a lot of times but to deliver the word, the living truth of God that will set you free. Amen? And uh, that's totally the intent of what we're doing with this for the next three weeks is to just deliver some truth as the Holy Ghost breathes through us, <laughs> the ministers before you here uh, over the next three weeks, some truths about giving. And so I, I believe, though, it's real important before you enter into to consider something to clear your mind of the previous things that, and predispositions and presuppositions and any, you know, hardcore feelings you've got about this subject in order to open yourself up. You know, Jesus said that if any man would ask, you know, someone for bread, would he give him a serpent or a scorpion? And, you know, the thing is, that's not the case. If you're here to receive the word of God and the truth of God's, you know, promises and word about something, then that's what we're going to receive, right? Because we're trusting God. So open yourselves up, kind of clear your mind and your soul of, of, of kind of your, your judgments and things in this area, and let's, uh, let's get rolling here. I really feel solid that the first thing we need to talk about is the reality of who our God is. Because quite simply, he gets a bad rap. He really does. And you know, the worst rap he gets is in the church a lot of times. And, and, and you want to, you don't believe me? Why don't you look at Jesus' life and see who he constantly had to beat his head against, what wall he was constantly running into? It was the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. It wasn't the prostitute. It wasn't the, the simpleton. It wasn't the tax collectors. It was, it was religious leaders. And you know, he ran into this very subject. Multiple times with the religious leaders about giving, about tithing, about things like this. And he had to bring some correction and bring some light to the situation. And most importantly, he brought light about who the father was. And so I just real simply want to deliver just a real quick thought, you know, a couple thoughts that I believe the Holy Ghost will bring revelation to you about. And that is this. Who is God to you? Who is God? Forget about who he is to you, but who is God, period? If we had to sum up God in one word, what would it be? Okay, I haven't heard anything but love, so that must, does that sound right, everybody? Oh, yeah. Love, capital L. Amen? 
And quite simply, it's not the love that we so often, you know, move and understand in. It's a love that transcends your feelings. It's a love that transcends judgment. It's a love that is born of mercy ahead of everything else. And and I'm going to tell you that, quite simply, if you did not know that, you can turn over to 1 John chapter 4. Let's, let's get some scripture on this so it's not just my words you're hearing. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to go through several scriptures here. Okay, and in verse 16, and you can read this whole chapter and find out a lot of depth about who God is, about God is love. And if you just read in verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us, God is love. God is love. I mean, we learned this in vacation Bible school, many of us, who the Father God is. He is love, and that that word love is not love that we more times than not end up relating to our fellow brothers and sisters in. That word love is agape, which means a transcendent, without excuse, without judgment, without feeling, without worth in terms of earning it type love. How many of us know that we don't earn anything God gives us, right? He gives it to us freely of his own will and love for us. That's what the scripture says. So I want to start out the concept of giving with the real purpose and reason for what it is. Let's turn over to a very familiar pastor, uh, 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 scripture. John 3.16. How many of us can quote that? I want to show you, if, if I had to ask everyone in this room, before we even got started, what was the greatest gift ever given in the history of mankind? What would y'all say? Resounding? Oh, yeah. Isn't that name wonderful? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Greatest thing we've ever received. And we're coming up on a on the time when we celebrate his entry into this earth. God's only begotten son. If that was the greatest gift, then don't you believe that whoever gave that gift knows the most about giving? Would it, would it stand to reason that whoever gave the greatest gift ever given and will ever be given would know the most about giving? That's what we're talking about, right? So it's the Father God. Is that right? Can we settle that by logic this morning? Whoever gave the greatest gift must know the most about giving. I think we would ascribe that to him. I think this scripture right here really sums up the motive of giving. What it is. In, in John three sixteen. I want to read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man, what a wonderful scripture. What a wonderful revelation. And most importantly, what a wonderful reality that we sit here today to celebrate and enjoy. And that is this. The the essence, the language of love itself, and that was the gift of Jesus. Amen. So the one who gave the greatest gift, we're going to purpose in our heart and our soul, most importantly, 
to be renewed in our mind to understand that he must know the most about giving because he was the one that gave the greatest gift. Okay, and if he being love itself gave, and we are to to do like Jesus said, I only do those things my father does, I only say those things my father says. Do you all remember these words in the scripture? He said them multiple times. I only do those things my father said tells me to do and models for me then we can see a model for our giving. Can you all see that? And what is the motive? Love. But isn't it interesting? It's not the the type of love oftentimes that we are you know, most familiar with. It's, it's the, the essence of God. It's his agape love. And so that's something that you can't produce with your own energy it is an essence of god himself that has to have been departed imparted into you y'all see that for us to give and and to be like god in this process and what we're doing then we have to have an essence of god inside of us to do it and we have that we have this essence the bible is very clear that the holy spirit shed abroad his love, his agape in the hearts of every believer. So as we sit here today, we're without excuse in terms of what love demands, what love promotes, what love engenders, and it is a a spirit of giving. It is a desire to meet needs. Do Do you see that? But the thing is, the agape is not an essence of your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. The agape is the essence of your spirit because that's what's been recreated in the image of God and that's where the deposit of grace is made, is there in your heart. So the first thing we need to know is God is love. He gave the greatest gift, which was Jesus. And if his motive in giving was love, then our motive must be love. Does that make sense? Now, I want you to stop and think of all, just a few of the gifts that you've given over the recent years, whatever they are, and you think to yourself, what was my motive? What was my motive in that? You know, there's a lot of of phileo love. There's another type of love that's talked about in the Bible, and that's the love that most of us are familiar with. It's the love that's based on like for something. It's the love that's based on friendship. Because I like this person. Because they've done things for me. That's easy to give to those people. Jesus talked about that. If you love your friends, what what is there to that? Everybody loves their friends. And he tells them to what? Love their enemies. But that's not the phileo love, that's the agape. That's the deposit of God that he puts inside of us. That's the first lesson, I think, for us to to understand. So we need to go over to, uh, let's go back over to First uh, John again. Oh. Technology is wonderful when it works. Uh, chapter chapter 4 again. Yeah. 
Okay. And so we can see. Look at verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, capital H, that he who loves God must love his brother also. I think you see where we're fixing to go with this. Quite simply, if love gives the God kind of love, and if that deposit has been placed in you, your giving is not only to God here. Because you're not just in love with God despite your fellow brothers and sisters. Y'all see what I'm saying? You're giving actually for God is through and to your brothers and sisters. Do you all see that? Because of your love for God, if you have the love of God and you love him, then you have to love your brothers and sisters also. Or else the scripture is very clear, the love of God's not in you. This deposit of grace. So that's probably the first place to start in terms of the motivation in giving. Do a love check, a litmus test. Where is my motivation for my brother and sister? You know, am I touched with with their feelings? Am I touched with the things that are going on in their lives? I mean, or am I, am I to the point that I would I want to to that deposit inside of me wants to help meet needs like God does? That's a good place to start in this. If you love God, you have to love your brothers and sisters. And so you're giving, quite simply, the language of love, if you will, really the currency of love is giving. And I'm going to just want to settle another thing. So this is the second point. First point we talked about, love gives. God is love. He gave the greatest thing ever. And we know that the motivation of his heart was for God so loved, he gave. For us, it's the same thing. For we so love, we give. Okay, so uh, so we need to get that settled. That the very reason that we give, the very reason that we want to do things is because of the love and the essence of God's love in our hearts. Amen? Y'all have anything to throw in here? Uh, Just to echo that, um, it's Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, a very familiar passage when... Uh, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in the law is. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And just to kind of really undergird what Greg is saying, verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, uh, the motive for everything we do, you know, should be undergirded in love. That's the foundation of the Christian walk. We obey God because we love him. Okay? We, we, but we don't just love him. We love our neighbor. You know, we don't love God. This is between me and God. Forget everybody else. Uh, if you're walking with the Lord, if you're going to live and walk out true Christianity, the both are interconnected. Okay, so in the area of giving, we need to allow that to be that foundational backdrop. You know, love, our love for the Lord, for who he is, what he's done, what he is to us, you know, and the love 
our love towards our neighbors because we want to see them blessed. We want to see God's will perfected in them. We want to see them grow and walk and mature and, uh, you know, be all that God has called them to be. So I'm just echoing what you just said there, bro. Okay, so we talked about this grace, okay? And I'll tell you that if the love of God is in you, then the language of God, the currency of that love, will manifest in giving. And, you know, I think we have a lot of preconceptions about what that means. Well, it has to be money or it has to be materiality. And that's not the case. We don't see Jesus bestowing materiality all the time as he walked through this earth. And in fact, more than anything, he was bestowing of his own life and his time to minister to people's needs. Okay, so let's let's clear those preconceptions out of our mind. But I want to show to you just real quickly, if you'll turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You know, we live right now in the New Testament. In fact, we, we live really in the book of Acts. I mean, our that and from that time on in the letters that are written in the New Testament, that what you see there should be taking place now. Nothing in that dispensation. Or we haven't moved to a different dispensation. We haven't moved to a different era of grace of God. We are in the New Testament church that was born right there in the book of Acts. Okay, you can see, chronicled, and we are continuing the Acts, if you will. They're being written still in the Spirit. Amen. And so what you see in the letters pertains to us more than anything in the Bible. That is, that is the current, okay, um, revelation for us. Now, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this chapter has a lot to say about giving. And uh, I'm not going to read through all of it, but I want to point out a couple of things. Okay, first I want to show you that actually... Remember, I told you about, about grace. I told you about the grace of God in our lives. Look in, in uh, uh, verse uh, 7. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, you get that? In your love for us. He just under, underscores, you know, the, the foundation of, of what he's going to say next. See that you abound in this grace also. Well, what is this grace that Paul's referring to? Well, if you look back up in the previous verses, it's talking about a grace to give. Amen? Do y'all, y'all can see that? I'm not going to read through all the scriptures, but y'all can read through this at a later time. But I want you to see... In verse 6, it says, So we urge Titus that as, that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. Well, he's talking about this particular purpose in their heart to get to give, to meet a need of ministry. And we see Paul encouraging them, Hey, you know, you're abounding in, in faith. How many of us want to abound in faith? That's a pretty big thing in the New Testament church, amen? Faith is huge. Faith, a lot of times, you know, is the, is considered to be like almost the pinnacle of your achievement in the spiritual realm. It's not really the pinnacle. It's, it mediates your achievements in the spirit realm. So, so, so don't just focus in on that. Paul's saying that. Don't just focus in on insightful speech. 
Don't just focus in on the gaining knowledge and in being diligent. How many know that it's real important to be diligent? How many want people that are diligent in the church? All three of us are going to raise our hand, I guarantee you. But you know what Paul says here? See that you abound in this grace also. So we see that all of that stuff is really a grace. It's And really what grace is, is a power to do something you can't do on your own. Y'all see that? So, again, your desire to give is limited outside the scope of love. Capital L. When you are recreated and reborn, you're reborn of his substance. So you're reborn of love, capital L, agape, right? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. You're recreated in the image of agape. If you are then recreated in the image of agape, then it stands to reason a product of your existence from the Spirit will be what? It'll be love. And what does love do? It gives. It gives. You will be, you will find a motivation to give if you're tapping into the inner person. The renewed man. You will find a motivation to give. And you can see that outlined here in this, in the scripture. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to read all of this scripture, but I'm going to give you some homework and ask that you would, you would over these next weeks, you would spend particular time reading and meditating in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's an excellent uh, uh, chapter for you to put some, uh, put some uh, uh, time into. Okay, and now the next thing I want to give, and then I feel like I need to turn it over to you, CJ. Next thing, uh, uh, revelation about giving. It's motivated by love. Love is inside of you. It's a grace. So you have the ability to do something that you can't do in and of yourself. You can do it to a limited standpoint. You know, you can do it to a limited standpoint, but you can't do it to the infinite standpoint that sets people free. You know, because that's God's essence. But the third thing is, is if you look here in, let's start at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. There it is again. The grace of God bestowed on these churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty. Everybody say deep poverty. Say it again, deep poverty. Say it again, deep poverty. Do we need to say it again? The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in riches of liberality. So do you, does your wealth or current state of materiality, should it dictate whether or not you give? Do you think that Paul, who is a very learned man when he's writing this scripture under the utterance of the Holy Spirit, understood what deep poverty meant when he said deep poverty? You think he might have, might be able to identify with this? And scripturally he can because he says he knows what it be, is to be abased. That means to have, not only have nothing, but to have everything stripped from you and really probably even his clothes too and he's sitting in a cell. I mean, that's pretty much, <laughs> that's pretty much without anything material-wise. Deep poverty abounded is what it says in in uh, the riches of liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, this is the third thing, God never asks that you give 
beyond your ability. Now, don't miss, don't take off on that tangent and say, well, now, wait a minute. Some people say that God told them to give everything. Did I, is that their ability? It is their ability because they own it and they have the, the right of decision to give it or yield it or not. Now, don't everybody get scared here. Now, perfect love cast out all fear. But I'm telling you that God, your giving is never asked beyond what you have. And if it is, then it ain't God. And I know that's not good English, but I like it because it brings a certain sense of authority. And the reason I can say is because scripturally it says right here. It says that he does not ask for you to give beyond your ability. According to their ability, yes, and, and, and in this case, he says beyond their ability. But that was their own choice. You all see that? That was their choice. They were freely willing. Their willingness went to the nth degree here. And it talks about the grace of God. Now, look, look at verse 11. But now you must also complete the doing of it, this thing that you have, that you have committed to do, that as there is a readiness to desire it, so there also must, must be a completion for it. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. Talking about the gift that you purposed in your heart to give, whatever it is. From that tangent and that grace of, of love inside of you. What is it though that, that makes that, what is it that makes that available? Your will. You make a choice in the seat of your decision making, your, your, your will to say, I'm going to listen to my heart and I'm going to release that grace. And it's according to what I have and not according to what I don't have. That's what the scripture says right here. It can, the, that you complete the doing of it. That the completion may be done out of what you have. For if there's first a willing mind, that is first a decision in your mind. You know, your soul is mind, will, and emotions. A decision of your own free will, not exacted from you like a tax. Not beat out of you like a religious rod in subservience to, to the letter of the law. But of a willing heart and a free choice of your will. Y'all see that? For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what you have and not according to what you don't have. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Well, uh, Greg, that gets back to that motivation of love too, right? Because uh, what would you say, is it the right motive if you're looking at this thing? Okay, i got this free will now. Um, so what's the smallest amount I can get away with? <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, I have to question the motive if, if, if you, if you're already trying to determine a limitation. And to me, if you're determining a limitation on what you're doing automatically, that just speaks of soul. That's not of spirit. Because God supplies all our needs, not just some of them, to a limited extent. Y'all see what I'm saying? So, so that's the spirit, reality of the spirit and truth. Then there's a reality of your mind in terms of its focus on circumstances, which sees nothing but limitation. You have to balance that out. Because your these eyes, ears, what you perceive is limitation all the time. And, and, and also, too, I feel like there are a lot of demands. You've got bills you got to pay. You've got taxes you have to pay. You've got plenty of stuff that, that it's a taskmaster exacting the cost out of you. You're not giving it. <laughs> if there's any sense of, of, and exacting, if there's any sense of, of absolute in this, then it's, it's not, not giving. If there's any sense of, of a driving thing inside of you trying to meet a certain criteria, then it's not giving. Not like what, according, not, not agape giving. Y'all see that? So I would have to question that motive. Well, you know, and, and we will, as we go, we will be talking about practical things, you know. Okay, how much do I give? How do I start? And that kind of thing. But I want to talk about the importance of this. And, and one thing I, and I want to encourage you with, and I, I hope your hearts can be at ease, that we're not trying to set you up so that all of a sudden, okay, now you need to give us more. You know, that is not, and hopefully by the end you'll see that that's not the motive at all. Because those of us who have been in the church for a long time, we've been there. We've, we've been, um, we've heard the sermons where we feel guilty or we, you know, all this stuff that makes us want to give more. And then we have fundraising, all this kind of stuff to get more money out of the people. And that is not our, our desire is for you to hear what the word of God is saying so you can respond to the Holy Spirit when he tells you to do something. Not responding out of guilt to what man says. Not responding out of religious, um, uh, like exacting or, or condemnation or anything like that. And, and, and we, as we've been talking about the subject, dealing with it, I've realized, I've come to realize that a lot over the years, a lot of my giving, a certain portion of it, has been out of the wrong motive. And we'll talk about that. In other words, if I don't, as a matter of fact, this one lady said this one time. I was talking to a lady and we were talking about something. Um, she purchased something and, and we're talking and, and she paid for the purchase, something that she was buying from us. And, and, and then somehow we start talking about money. And she's a believer, wonderful lady. And somehow we start talking about giving, start talking about tithing, that kind of thing. And then she made this statement. She goes, I'm afraid not to tithe. And when she said that, because I'd already been, the Lord had been already dealing with me about this whole thing. When she said that, it brought, it brought sadness to my soul because I knew exactly what she was talking about. Because I had been there before. I was afraid that if I didn't tithe or I didn't give like I was supposed to, God was going to get me. Because we have all are familiar with the scripture of, of the devourer being rebuked. 
And if we don't bring the whole tithes and offerings into the storehouse, then the devourer is not going to be rebuked, and then God's going to get us. Sickness, our car's falling apart, our refrigerators quit working. You know that kind of, you guys know what I'm talking about? So I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> but as we've been talking about this, examining that, is that the motive that God wants us to give out of? Well, we're afraid. See, I was, I was giving out of fear. I was afraid not to give because if I didn't give, I was afraid God was going to get me. And a number of Christians live under that. And there may be some of you that live under that. But the importance, why is this so important? And, you know, as Greg was talking about, the whole thing boils down to our relationship with God. It's all about Him. And if you haven't noticed yet, hopefully you will more and more and more. Here at New Covenant, we are about relationship with God and relationship with each other. The whole commandment summed up in those two verses. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. So this giving is in that context. It's out of our relationship with him. But there's a scripture that says that money is the root of all evil. Good, I'm glad you're paying attention. (laughs) Because that right there is another fallacy. It's another preconception that money, you know, the Bible says money is the root of all evil. And that's not true. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? And see, in the problem, and what we have to be careful with, and why I'm excited about us talking about this, and we'll get to this over time, but so many people have fallen into the love of money. There are many Christians who have sold out, who have compromised, who have put aside a t- integrity to gain a few more dollars, you know, and it's been sad as I've been talking, fellowshipping with different brothers, and we've been talking about, you know, in the, in the realm of business, I have the privilege of knowing guys who are, who are serving the kingdom through business, being business-minded and entrepreneur and that kind of thing. And I appreciate when I get to fellowship with those guys because I, I appreciate their mindset. They're all about the kingdom, but it's also about finances and, you know, and that kind of thing. But in talking to some of these brothers and, and talking to, to guys, my heart is saddened by how many preachers have sold out to money. In other words, their motivation, their, the choices they make, the things they do, the motivation is to gain more money. And how they will not do things righteously. They'll, people, they owe money or if they make promises, they don't pay, they don't do all that kind of stuff because they want to hold on to more money. And I believe God has a built-in system to help us, to keep us from the love of money because it, it causes many problems. Many problems. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. You know, and Jesus also said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stick by one and look down upon the other. You cannot serve God and money. New Living Translation. You cannot serve God and money. And But a lot of us are trying to do both. And unfortunately, a lot of times we default to the money side. And our motivations and our greed and our fears and all that is because of our love for money. See, in Mark chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Others, talking about the parable of the sower, it says, And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enters in and chokes out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The love of money, the desire for other things, and the worries of this world, it will choke out the Word of God and make it unfruitful in our lives. 
So if we don't get a, the right hold on money, now as Greg mentioned early, earlier, giving isn't all just about giving money. And the scriptures are clear on that. There's, you know, it's not just about giving money. But we are also specifically talking about money as well. And if we don't get this money thing right, because too many of us are in bondage to money. We're in bondage to the love of money. And so we want to get it right because if, if I say, you know, I want to grow in God. I want all that God has for me. I want to be able to go on the mission field and serve. Over there. I believe God's called me to go and just give my life in, in Ecuador or, or Kenya or whatever. But if I make a bunch of bad choices of money and I end up in a bunch of debt, then guess what that's going to do? That's going to limit my ability to be free in certain areas. And so we have to get the money thing figured out and sorted in our hearts. So that we can pursue God and run after him. And the thing I'm excited about, <clears throat> I remember the Lord told me at one time, I was afraid of money. He said, you're intimidated and afraid of money. And it's like, what, what do you mean by that? I was afraid of the results of what can happen if you fall in love with money. And so therefore, you can grow an aversion. It's like, well, you can have the wrong attitude. And then your motivation becomes based out of fear. And then you get all messed up. And so our heart and our encouragement to you is, is God wants to bring forth just the encouraging word that money does not have to be our master. And then if we allow God to be our master, our king, he will set us free. And we can get to the place to where we look forward to giving because we take on the heart of God who loves to give. But he also wants you to be free. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth. If you continue in his word, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So you hear a lot of times the truth shall make you free. Well, it will only if you continue in it and you know it. And then we can walk in freedom. Do I have anything? You know, I want to get back because Greg alluded to it earlier on and, and you kind of echoed it. So far, we've emphasized our motives and emphasized what, what we should be doing, like loving God and loving others. But Greg said that God gets a bad rap. And you know what? It's time to stop in the church, guys. You know, uh, in this area of giving, uh, we ascribe a character trait to God that if we ascribed it in any other area, any other sin area, you know, it, it would just turn grace upside down on, on his head. And I want to, I want to tell you what I mean here. Now we think whether you actually express it specifically or not, basically, uh, in an area of tithing, you said the lady says she was afraid not to tithe. So we say, we read the scripture in Malachi where God says he'll rebuke the devourer for our sakes if we bring the tithe into the storehouse. Well, in our mind, what we're thinking is, well, boy, if I don't get that tithe in there, he's going to sick the devourer on me. <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of times that's how we act. So if I tithe, God's good. He's happy with me. But boy, he's vindictive if I don't bring that tithe. And he's going to stick the devourer on me. Let's get real. That, that's basically why we would be afraid. But 
That's not the character of our God. He doesn't need our money. All right? And this is the same God. Just, let me just read just a couple of passages here. Uh, Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, would that God then turn around and seek to devour on you over your money? I mean, think about that. A woman caught in adultery, getting ready to be stoned to death. Jesus intervenes on her behalf. She was guilty. We're not talking about someone falsely accused. He intervenes on her behalf and he shows her mercy. He shows her grace. He said to her accusers, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And guess what? Not a stone was cast. But it wasn't that she earned anything. It wasn't that you know what? Jesus looked at his book. Oh, she tied today. So let me step in and deal with her accusers. Lucky for her, she tied today because if she didn't, she would have had a head full of stones. So I just want us to be consistent. You know, uh, some of it has been the, you know, some of it has been the pressure uh, that we've heard from, from, from teachers and stuff who has maybe have given in, uh, to the pressures of money and, and the love of money and whatnot. But that, for us to be tithing out of the fear that God was sick to devour on us if we don't, even if you're tithing, you're tithing amiss. We're tithing for the wrong reasons. We want to make sure that what we're giving is out of love for the Lord, out of obedience to the Lord, and, you know, to help advance the kingdom. All right? And if we want to encourage others to give, you know, our personal motivation, and we want to encourage others to give, let's not demean the character of the Lord in encouraging them, you know, trying to encourage them to give. You know, because our God, when you talk about giving, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All right? Jesus became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, that's our God. He's giving and he knows good and well that we're getting the better end of that deal. He's not giving to get. He's giving out of love. And so our giving needs to be motivated in that same way. Just real quick, quickly, I want to convey some uh, scripture for you all to to uh, have a particular focus on this next week. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and lie to me and say, will you commit to, to putting some time into to going over these scriptures? You all decide, okay, if you will. But I'm going to give you some, some food for thought scripturally. So if you'll turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So let's just narrow it down. Don't worry about a whole chapter. If, if you want to read that these two chapters, excellent. Let's let's get let's get the rubber on the road with some practical couple of verses here 
to really put, put your attention to, okay? So I would ask you, would you please commit to, to giving some time to reading the Scriptures, rolling them over, speaking them out, lying, asking the Holy Spirit to bring light? In verse 6 it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should decide what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. There's a lot of alls there, isn't there? You will abound in every good work. Aren't those awesome passages? Awesome passages. And so I just want to, we just want to leave you with this thought and in, in this, this uh, uh, truth. Your giving should be of your own free will and choice, motivated by agape love in your heart. You making that choice, not under compulsion. That's what the Scripture says. I'm not making that up. That's what it says here. Each of you, it's an attitude of the heart, right? That's what the Scripture says. Each of you should decide in your heart what to give. Where is the decision made? By an act of your will, choosing to go with what your heart is telling you. You decide what to give. Not reluctantly, not like, oh, oh, I I just don't know. I I don't know. It's like CJ was saying, the built-in test of whether you have money or money has you. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion. You've got to meet this need today, brothers and sisters. For God loves a cheerful giver. Did y'all get that message? Sorry. <laughs> well, that's compulsion. That's right. And I've fallen in under that compulsion many times. Mm-hmm. Brothers and sisters, if you don't give today, if you don't turn loose what's in your hand. Now, I'm not, please, I'm, I'm not trying to bring mockery against the church and against my fellow ministers in the Lord. But at the same time, dear God, folks. What are we doing here? What is our motivation? Who is our provider? Yeah. Like CJ was saying, who is our provider? And so let's just leave you with those scriptures right there, okay? And y'all cogitate on that, chew on it, meditate on it this week. All right. What I'm going to close with is we want to invite you to, um, if you'd like to submit any questions on this topic, any practice. We don't want to just be all theory and not, nothing practical, but if you have questions about tithing, offering, giving, and that kind of thing, I'd ask you to submit those. You can either text them to me. Uh, my phone number is in, the, in this bulletin right here. Or you can email them to me. At, uh, email it to cj at ncfok. Hmm? Is it on here? Okay. Email is in here somewhere. Um, but basically, email them to us, email them to the church, and uh, and I'm asking you to do it by Tuesday, so we can look these things over before, you know, don't do it Saturday night. And also, you emailing us a question doesn't guarantee that we're going to answer, answer all the questions, okay? Um, but if you would, if you have a question, because some of them may be, oh, I see this question is from so-and-so, and may talk to you individually or privately if we don't have time to get to all of it here. Because again, our goal, and we don't have any practical way of covering the whole, this whole gamut.
of giving. We know it's too big, but we just want to give you some encouragement um, for us to walk in freedom and victory and power that God makes available and to be free from the bondages. And then last thing, as we stand together, we're going to pray over the gifts and offerings that have already been given this morning. Okay, so if you'd stand with me. So again, if you have any questions, text them to me or email by Tuesday. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your, your gift of giving to us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the kingdom of heaven that we get to be a part of. And we thank you that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts so that we can give, Lord, as you've given in the same way that you've given. And Father, I thank you for those that have been generous, that have given tithes, offerings, gifts to this church to meet the needs, to meet many needs. And I just pray your blessing on the offering that, Father, you would bless and multiply it, enable it to accomplish great things for your kingdom. And, Father, I also pray that you would bless those that have given, bless them in return. And, Lord, those who have not been able or were not able to give, I pray that you would bless them abundantly so that they can give. And we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I just thank you that you're in the process of breaking off the chains of fear, of bondage, of religiosity, of whatever it is that's been holding us in bondage because you came, Jesus, to set the captives free. And so we thank you that you are dealing a lethal blow so that we can walk in truth and the power of your Holy Spirit and we can see Jesus glorified and your kingdom advanced. And Lord, we just speak your blessing on every person here, every family represented, that you would bless them, remind them of your love in a greater way. And we thank you again, Father, for meeting all of our needs, the needs of your children. We love you and we praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you and we'll see you guys next week.